Welcome to the Deep Dive Spirituality Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Brian Russell, and today I'm going to be doing a solo cast on how centering prayer can change your life. Before I get to the specific content, let me remind you of a couple of things. You can check out the show notes for any things that I reference. Also, if you're interested in even more material from me, I invite you to check out my website. It's my new website, brianrussellphd.com. You can find links to the podcast, to my YouTube channel, to all to a blog that I've uh, started now and, and other resources as well as to all my social media. And also would like to invite you, if you're interested, to join the Centering Prayer Gathering that my fellow author Rich Lewis and I do each month. It meets at noon Eastern time. Our next one will be August 27th, 2022. But whenever you're listening to this, you can join in if you would like to sign up for updates on Centering Prayer and be invited to future gatherings, including the one in August. If you happen to be listening to it in the summer of 2022, go to com. Now, Let's specifically talk about how centering prayer can change your life. And if you're a longtime listener to this podcast, you know that I've talked about this topic several times. And centering prayer was one of the game-changing practices that I started in my life around 10 years ago after I'd gone through an extremely difficult time and was beginning to grow into the 2.0 version of myself. My experience of sitting in silence has been transformational to me, both theologically, uh, spiritually, and in, in a very personal way that has transformed me and helped me to become a more loving person, a more present person, and that has impacted my relationships, including uh, my marriage uh, to my beloved Astrid, as a parent uh, to my daughters and to my stepchildren. I'm a better teacher in the classroom, a better mentor, I'm a better friend, I'm a better son. It's impacted all of my relationships, and I also believe I'm a better witness uh, to Jesus Christ in the world. So let's talk about how that can happen for you and also the, how it actually worked out in, in my life. Uh, first of all, if you're new to Centering Prayer or if you're uh, a longtime practitioner, let me remind you of maybe the easiest way to think about what Centering Prayer is. Uh, centering Prayer is nothing more and nothing less than silent meditative prayer. So you sit a, a, aside, set aside whatever amount of time that you want to be in silence, kind of the classic approximate go-to number is 20 minutes, but you can do it whether you want to do it for one minute or whether you want to spend several hours in it. So pick a time, uh, five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, and you close your eyes. I always suggest starting with a prayer such as the Jesus prayer, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. 
uh, you know, set a timer. I use my Fitbit watch. In the past, I've used uh, an alarm on a, on a cell phone. You can use a timer, but you just don't want to jump when it goes off. So set a time that you want to do that. Of course, when the timer goes off, you can keep going on if you want to. And then close your eyes, and you're going to select a prayer word or a sacred word that you're going to use to recenter yourself whenever you find yourself distracted. I suggest as Christians that you at least start with Jesus as your prayer word, but you can use um, any other short word like peace or love or Holy Spirit uh, or Father or God or P, uh, any, any word that reminds you of your intention, which is to sit in silence with the God who loves you. And then all you do is sit in silence. Your intention is to be with God. This isn't a, a, a prayer to manipulate God to give us the gift of deep contemplation. Uh, instead, it's an opportunity for us to essentially surrender our thoughts. And that will be the challenge from our side of the silent prayer. Because what you're going to discover almost immediately is how distracted your mind is. Whether you're going to call it a hamster wheel mind or whatever, but your mind is going to constantly be in looping thought patterns, memories from the past, thinking about the future, wondering if you set your your watch. Um, your body will you'll feel different sensations in your body that will be distracted. Sometimes you'll actually be watching movies from your life, whether you're reconstructing past hurts. And, and then over the course of time, not only will you have sort of mundane thoughts, you'll get inspirational thoughts. So like maybe you're uh, got an idea of something fun you'd like to do with your family, or maybe you're a pastor working on a sermon and you get the perfect idea. Well, all of that, you just surrender it. Especially, you're going to want to surrender the painful thoughts that will come up. And I'm going to talk about that in a second. And probably the easiest way to remember how to deal with thoughts is what's known as the four R's of centering prayer. And this is, these four R's go back to some of the early teachers of centering prayer, Thomas Keating, Cynthia Bourgeau. And they are resist no thought, retain no thought react to no thought, gently return to Jesus with your sacred word. Let me briefly run through those. The whole point, again, is we don't resist thought. So the goal, and this is so important, the goal of centering prayer isn't to erase your mind. It's not to become mindless. That's often an unfair criticism of centering prayer. But it's not to hold on to our thoughts. And so we don't resist them flowing in long game in centering prayer, what you want to get to the point, because you're never going to be able to turn your brain off. That's not the point, is eventually you just want to be able to see kind of the thought stream just flowing right on by. If you've ever seen the movie The Matrix, and you're once Neo gets to the point where he figures out that he's the one, he's able to essentially see the actual code in the movie The Matrix that was controlling everything and act outside of it. Uh, that's at least a metaphor or a way of thinking about what the long-term goal is, just to let the things flow right on by. Thomas Keating often used the image of watching boats 
while you're on a river, what on the river bank, watching boats go down the river, and you're just watching them flow by. But sometimes you'll get really interested in one of the thoughts that's flowing by, and you start paying attention to it. And when you find yourself paying attention to any particular thought, you don't want to retain it. And so that's we're going to use the prayer word. So when you find that your resistance, you've let a thought in. Um, you don't retain it, so you use your prayer word. And you'll find yourself using your prayer prayer word quite a bit. It's That's not incorrect, but what you want to be careful about is the prayer word isn't a mantra. In other words, like those practitioners of things like transcendental meditation, and there's some other forms of meditation that you just repeatedly say the word. So centering prayer is not sitting there in silence going, Jesus, 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 Jesus. It's not that at all. Um, it's not a mantra, but when we find ourselves overly focused on any particular thought or feeling or sensation or memory, we just use our prayer word to release it to God. We also don't want to react to thoughts. Now, um, the type of thoughts that you'll react to negatively is sometimes you'll get really painful thoughts. Maybe you'll remember um, a particularly painful time in your life or even deeper, you'll remember some, something that you're just ashamed of or that you feel guilty of. Uh, think of like Adam and Eve uh, when after they had sinned in the garden and they heard God coming through for a walk. Do you remember what they did? They went and hid, right? Our tendency when we have some kind of painful emotion that pops up on our in our inner world or a memory is we want to suppress it and jam it back down. But, you know, we don't want to react to it. In, in my book, uh, Centering Prayer, Sitting Quietly in God's Presence Can Change Your Life, I uh, alluded to the scene from part three of the Lord of the Rings movies, The Return of the King, when Gandalf was helping the humans to man the gates when the orcs were attacking. And he gives kind of a really powerful speech where he says something like, men of Gondor, whatever comes through that gate holds your ground. And that's what you do. Whatever memory comes up, don't suppress it. Don't run away. So don't react to it. And let, instead, what do you do? You just gently return to Jesus with your sacred word. Now, the fruit of that is, I think, the fulfillment of what the Apostle Paul is talking about when in 2 Corinthians, he exhorts the Corinthians in chapter 10, verse 5. He talks about, uh, we destroy arguments and every proud obstacle raised up against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive to obey Christ, right? Now, he's also talking about engaging opponents there, but that idea of taking every thought captive, we do that by essentially what? Giving them to God. So in centering prayer, we have the real gift of allowing God to clean out our insides by simply giving them to him. And so friends, if you want to change your life, practice sitting in silence and when those painful memories, your your things you're afraid of, the stuff that you feel guilty about, 
that you've done and also the things that maybe you're ashamed of or in, in, in particular the ways that you've been shamed. We want to hide that stuff from the world, but just give it to God. I know that was profoundly healing in my life. And in my book, I talk about when I first started sitting in silence and I didn't have a teacher. I just sort of stumbled into this practice. I would sit out in my back patio and when I'm supposed to be sitting in silence with God, I would just realize how angry I was for what I'd experienced. This is, I'm talking specifically when I was beginning to heal from um, my divorce. And I was just, I just noticed how much anger was in me. And, and instead of sitting in silence with the God who loves me, I'm playing old tapes, stuff that had gone against me. And of course, in these new thoughts, I'm remembering things I wish that I would have said, right? And I realized how angry I was. And I also, kind of embarrassingly, found myself oftentimes having like sexual thoughts. And I'm thinking, geez, I'm supposed to be sitting in silence with a God and I'm just realizing how angry I am or I'm thinking about sex. Now, those of you who are familiar with the desert tradition know that Evagrius Pontigus uh, talked about eight evil or distracting thoughts and guess what those things included it was included things like um, uh, gluttony thoughts about health excessive greed uh, not just money but worried about not having enough stuff lost there's the sex stuff right anger spiritual laziness like desires to give up sadness and then pride and vainglory, right? And so what you're going to see is you're going to be confronted over time with the stuff that's inside of you that really blocks off the deep work that God wants to do in your life. So when we talk about fake, taking every thought captive, it's not just the beautiful thoughts, but it's those ugly things that live inside of us. And if you're in the Wesleyan Methodist tradition, what we're really talking about is God can use centering prayer as a means of your sanctification and love. I love it, right? So let me give a metaphor for what this kind of works, uh, how this works out. In Matthew 16, 24, that's the famous text. You, you find it in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but I'm going to give you the Matthean version of this. This is the, the place where I think gives the clearest expression of what a call to discipleship looks like. And in that, um, in that reading, um, Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up the cross, and follow me. Now, that's a radical call to surrender. And I want us to picture ourselves that. So when we're doing centering prayer, our intention is to sit in silence with the God who loves us, right? Okay, so that's so what we're going to do is just we're moving along with Jesus. We're following Jesus. We want to be with Jesus. Well, Imagine following Jesus down a pathway, right? Uh, we want to be his disciples. And so it's the same way as sitting in silence. And what's going to happen while you're walking? Maybe you see a beautiful flower off to the side. Well, wow, okay. I got to recenter myself and follow Jesus. Or maybe you get in a conversation with your fellow disciple who's with you and you're walking along and you look up and you realize, oh my gosh, Jesus made a right and I'm still going straight. Okay, what do I got to do? I need to surrender and refocus on Jesus. 
So, you know, deny self, take up the cross, and continuously follow me. And so what centering prayer really is, is it's a lesson in surrender, right? And surrender is an expression not of our willfulness, right? Because all spiritual formation, one of the greatest blocks is our willfulness, the idea that, you know, we can do it on our own. But centering prayer is a reminder that all of us are persons in need of God's grace. And so we need to let go of willfulness, surrender that, and open ourselves up with an open-handed willingness to let God do the work that God wants to do. And so in centering prayer, we don't even let our thoughts, our hurts, the tapes that we like to play separate us from the God who loves us, and we just surrender all of those things to God. And slowly, God's going to transform you and change your life. So let me talk about some of the things that will happen over time. Now, one of the first things that happened, and, and Thomas Merton talks a lot about this in his book, New Seeds of Contemplation, is your false views of God are going to disintegrate. A lot of us have ideologies. We have pictures of who God is. Um, we have metaphors. We have favorite bits of theology. Um, but, but the reality is God is greater than the most profound thought that you can ever have of God because we're finite. And centering prayer is going to teach you that, that no matter how well trained you are, no matter how many theological degrees you have or how many you don't have, how much you've read the Bible, God is always going to be infinitely greater than all of that. And the God that I've experienced in centering prayer is the God that 1 John talks about when 1 John tells us really two powerful things about God. The first thing is, first in 1 John chapter 1, is John says that God is light. In him, there is no darkness whatsoever. And what does light do? Light purifies, light illuminates. And so when you experience God in centering prayer, you're going to feel wide open. Now, that can be really scary, just like it was when I was sitting out on the back and I'm realizing I'm thinking about anger and I have lustful thoughts. And I'm like, wow, I'm about to get fried. I'm supposed to be here with God. But then I didn't feel rejected at all. Instead, I realized, wow, God has just broke me wide open. He's shining light in the places that I didn't even know were still in the darkness. And, you know, John also tells us, that not only does 1 John say that God is light, we also have the more, probably the more famous expression, God is love. And friends, you know, if you go to church, you already know that God is love, right? But here's the thing. Have you deep down in the very center of your being, not just in your mind, not just I can say that God loves me or I can quote John 3.16, but have you felt at the deepest parts of your very being, not only that God is love, but more importantly, that God loves you? 
can you say it, that God loves me? You know, I've noticed a lot of people can imagine that God loves their kids, God loves their spouse, God loves their friends, God loves the lost. But a lot of us have struggled for a long time to really know that God loves me. I have to say that that was true of me. I had these lingering doubts that I was good enough. And so at some level, despite the fact that I could articulate theology with probably some of the best of them, taught at a seminary for years and years and years, right? I've uh, been a pastor, still am, written books. But you know what? I realized from Centering Prayer that for a long time I hadn't really experienced that. And, and you know, the, the unbelievable result, God, your life will change when you encounter in the silence a God who is way bigger than you can even imagine, that God is way more complex, that the that you know that our world is infinitely complex. What you're going to see with all this, the the thoughts that go through your mind is just how complex even you are. But the truth is this: God is even more complex than that, and that God loves you. Again, you just have to trust me. And if you haven't had that experience, start sitting in silence. Again, I'm not. This is not a quick fix stuff. Centering prayer doesn't fix you in one session or in a week. This is long game. But I can pretty much guarantee, if, if you commit to a practice of silence and you surrender your thoughts, all your false views of God will be kind of self-corrected. And you're going to experience the God of holy love, the God that wants to transform you, but the God who doesn't expect you to be transformed on your own, but who's going to give you the grace that you need to become and live as the person that God dreamed about when he created you. When I started this podcast, Deep Dive Spirituality, that, that's really why I started it. I wanted to talk to people and share my experiences, have people that know the stuff even better than me come on and do interviews about that. But at the end, my goal is I want every single person listening, including you, to experience the holy love of God in a way that breaks you open and transforms you and frees you from everything that binds you. So that you can trust God even more and surrender even more to Him walk the path in front of you and then serve and bless others love god love neighbor so let me share a couple of other fruits of centering prayer now we talk about i've already talked about every thought captive but what i've noticed in my own life is when I think about the thoughts that I have a lot, what I've noticed is really how much how judgmental I have been in the past, right? You know, Jesus has those great words about, um, uh, you know, don't worry about the speck in your neighbor's eye when you got a log in your own eye. And so I noticed that I'm a master judge of others. I'm a recovering master judge of others now, but also, not just judging others. We judge others so often. And I just invite you to notice as you go through your day how often you have a judgmental thought about someone, how, you, how often you'll label someone on a first impression. Just notice how our minds want to judge, categorize, divide. But then also notice 
all of the judgmental thoughts that you have about yourself. It's like, oh, geez, Brian, that's you know, that person isn't going to like you. Wow, you messed up. Wow, you should have wiped your chin better. You got that little blood spot on there from where you sh- were shaved this morning. I think about just notice all the ways that you judge yourself. Uh, Zig Ziglar, an old uh, motivational thinker, a, a Christian, uh, a Christian guy, used to always talk. He'd call that stinking thinking. But just notice all the stinking thinking that you have about others, that you have about yourself, and then or that you have about your circumstances. Oh, if I just had a different job. Oh, it's too noisy here. Just notice all the judgment. Just notice that. And one of the fruits of centering prayer is that you can just continuously give those things to God. Because what do you do when you find yourself being a judge? Call yourself out, judge, but then say, Jesus, use your centering prayer word throughout the day when you find yourself going down the path to judgment. And you can carry the practice of centering prayer into your daily life. You can carry it into your meetings. You can carry it into tense conversations you have to have. You can carry it while you're driving, while you're judging all the drivers that are around you. But centering prayer will begin to turn the volume down on the judging each of us so that we can then be ambassadors of abundance to other people, right? And show them the love of God and neighbor. What else does centering prayer do for you over a long haul? You know, those of you uh, who only know me from recent years might not realize how ramped up I used to be. Now, I still have a lot of ambition. Most people still think of me as somebody that works a lot and gets a lot of stuff done. And I, and I am. I, I'm pretty driven. But those who have known me over the course of my life remark that you're not even the same person you used to be because you're so much more calm and you're so much more present. That's from the Centering Prayer, friends. I can show up, you know, my mentor, Bob Tuttle, always used to say, show up, pay attention. God's got way more invested in this than you do. And I was like, well, okay, that's, how do you do that? How do you show up and pay attention? Well, you know what? You do it by sitting in silence with God every day and doing little centering prayer breaks. And then almost naturally, you'll realize how distracted you are in circumstances and you just return, right? And recentering is nothing more than returning back to the present moment, not just in prayer now, but in your whole life. I mean, you can do this uh, when you're talking to your kids and you get distracted. You can talk to this when you know you're um, find yourself looping in a thought. You can do this when you're having um, a conversation with someone else and uh, you want to, and you're already thinking about what you want to say. You can just recenter and just pay attention to another person, giving a person the gift of your attention. Um, that's a fruit of centering prayer. You can then be less reactive because if you're present when a stimulus comes, like we, you know, the whole process, if you've already faced the darkness inside of your own heart, when something bad happens around you, you know, again, for, I'm a hyper vigilant person. You know, I've, like I used in my in the past, if somebody struck a match, I could imagine a forest fire. That's pretty strong reaction. I'm now less reactive. I mean, you could still get under my skin, believe me, but. I have buffers around that now, and so when something goes south, I can catch myself pretty quick and not simply react to it, but take a deep breath in 
and then respond in a powerful way instead of just a reactive off the handle kind of a way. That's been a long-term piece. I can say my heart is more open. You know, I've always been a kind person and people have known me for a long time I mean, uh, would probably affirm that, but I literally feel like in the past I was the Grinch and that now my heart has gotten bigger and that there's room to love people even more. Matter of fact, I love that. I had no idea how much bigger my heart can get. And I can just imagine now for all eternity, God continuing to make my heart bigger and bigger as I expand in my capacity to love the God who loves me first and also to love the people that are around me, including my enemies. Because isn't that the ultimate test of our faith, friends? It's not just loving the people that love us. Anybody can do that. But can you love people that you're in conflict with? Can you love people that you prefer not to see on really ever? Can you love the other? And then the last thing is, I talk about the unholy trinity a lot at a podcast a few episodes ago about confronting that unholy trinity of fear, uh, shame, and guilt. And I even mentioned it when we were talking about the kinds of thoughts that we have. But what Centering Prayer will allow you to do is Centering Prayer will just stamp on your life the word enough. It's like God's basically saying, I'm enough. You're enough. There is enough. There's an abundance. And you do enough. So enough already. Again, if you have questions about the things I'm talking about, I really invite you to reach out to me. I'd love to have a conversation with you. Happy to answer questions. Email me, uh, deepdivespirituality at gmail.com. You can check out my book, Centering Prayer, Sitting Quietly in God's Presence Can Change Your Life. And also in the show notes, I'll put a link to a blog post on my top 10 favorite Centering Prayer books. And by, and by the way, mine isn't on the list. I'm giving you 10 other resources that you can look at. Again, it's been a real privilege to serve you today. I'm super passionate about this. And so I'm grateful for those of you who have made it all the way to the end of this episode. If you found it helpful, would you share it with someone else? Would you maybe post it on social media to help uh, help me to reach others who may need to need who may need this sort of information? And again, I want to invite you, if you want to sign up for updates or be invited to future Centering Prayer gatherings, check out centeringprayerbook.com. Until next time, I'm going to close with the words of Bob Tuttle. Show up, pay attention, know that God's got way more invested in your life and in your ministry and in your mission than you do. Amen. <music>